0: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Our faithful listeners, maybe you're a new listener, I don't know, but welcome. Either way, we've got a great episode. Gregory Corio coming up for you here in just a few minutes. He's the Assistant Vice President for Outdoor Youth Advocacy and Initiatives of the Brad and Alice Smith Outdoor Economic Development Collaborative. That's a bit of a mouthful of a title, but he uh, does a lot. He really is one of these key players at West Virginia University, who is making a huge difference. And Cooper Zimmerman with me, as always, Coop, what's happening? And thoughts on uh, Greg Corio coming on here. Um, You know, I thought this was just another great discussion, and he really nailed some points of, like, things that we believe in and things that he certainly believes in, and, you know, pushing West Virginia in a positive direction.
1: Yeah, I think Greg spoke about something that, or he, he comes at nature and outdoor economic development in a way that I don't think many people in the state do. And that's probably why he's in a very high leadership position at the biggest university, kind of spearheading all of these projects, because he has a way of thinking about it, not just simply in terms of like, yeah, like let's develop Fayetteville for Airbnbs like he's thinking about it of it like how can we inspire educate and you know like educate our children like you know middle schoolers how can that how does that lead to increased graduation rates how does like teaching someone rock climbing and whitewater rafting early on in their freshman year how does that impact the rest of their four years while they're at WU? so it, it's really using nature outdoor recreation west virginia's you know most unique asset in a way that, you know, directly drives, you know, better lives for individuals and hopefully more, you know, productive lives and more fulfilling lives. So, and he speaks about it. You could just see the passion that you guys are going to hear in this episode that he has towards, you know, the outdoor, you know, the outdoor world and how, how it can be used as a positive tool and truly some, some crazy statistics about West Virginia in a Mm -hmm. good way, that how well we are positioned to truly take advantage of of what we have and that's our unique landscape and i think we're just even though it's like oh you gotta feel like well that's already done and settled we know west virginia has this landscape but i think we're just at the very beginning of actually i agree using it to really impact people everyday yeah. people so yeah. he he dropped some gems on us on that and yeah it was it was awesome to hear from him well in in kind of piggybacking
0: off of that point you know if you went to wvu you might have had an opportunity to go through this program, Adventure West Virginia. And it was kind of an introductory program where, you know, if you were a freshman, they took you out into the, you know, into the wilderness. They took you on a hike or for a couple of days, maybe you did some zip line and canopy tours. And you also had that opportunity if you were a little older in the university to be in a leadership position to kind of help, you know, facilitate that program and whatnot. But my point being is they, you know, as soon as you get to college, they before you even get to campus they take you outdoors you meet a bunch of people and you not just make friends but you you are all thrown into this even playing field titles don't matter who's from where doesn't matter what your you know family's net worth none of that matters you all are just thrust out into the outdoors and when everybody realizes that they're on an even playing field you learn how to cooperate and work together and you create this bond that's kind of indestructible in a way and so he's just saying the people that go through that program, you see higher graduation rates. So they took that program, instituted it into the middle schools. They said they're seeing bullying going down. And now you talk about the Ascend West Virginia program, which he's helping out a lot with. Uh, he, he's got a big hand in helping that program as well. You know, you're just taking that now to old, older professionals and you know people that are hey, if we can get them outdoors and uh you know just give them an opportunity to see what West Virginia has to offer you know they're going to be just they're going to want to come here and stay and so I'm I'm going to let him do all the talking uh didn't exactly feel like I a, gave, a, gave a great description of how those programs operate but certainly stick around you won't want to miss this great choreo it is top notch top notch and so excited for you all to hear this episode with Greg Corio coming up here in just a second. A couple of other news and notes. The Almost Heaven Classic. Man, Cooper, we are down at this given second as we record this episode. It will be out on Thursday, March 2nd. We are recording this intro Wednesday, March 1st. There are three teams left for the golf outing on Saturday, June 10th at uh, Canaan Valley for the
1: Almost Heaven Classic. So uh, get your teams in now. Get your teams in now, right? get signed up yeah three teams left i think it's i mean it's march first right now i think another two and a half weeks is going to be out so org. get your team in and we'll see you out there in cadane valley yeah friday
0: the networking event as always we've talked that up plenty too june 9th it's going to be a blast Brent smith is going to be there sarah biller brandon dennison all part of this keynote discussion panel about investing in west virginia's future and we've had several other leaders across West Virginia who've committed and they're excited to go and anything else that you'd like to say about Friday night we've been talking about it for months and months and months now get your tickets for Friday get your golf team in for Saturday it's going to be one of the most memorable weekends that we think we are ever going to have and so hopefully other people will share that same sentiment
1: when it finally happens. Now as you said it well I think I mean folks are I think uh, if you come to it, everybody's going to come to it with a little bit of a different reason. And I apologize if people can hear this. I think fiance's like we is like the sweeper now. <laughs> we're no, well, good. Can't hear this. anything. Um, Can't hear but, it. But, but, but yeah, it's look, good it, that she's working it, her yeah, hard to clean the house. Uh, she's about to be blow dryer It's like 7 in the morning we're recording this. Um, I'm just like, what in the world? Um, behind the scenes there for folks listening. But uh but yeah, look. I think if you're people are going to come to the Almost Seven Classics for a little bit different reasons, but we want you to walk away inspired, educated, and motivated, and hopefully building new relationships with people in West Virginia. So anybody's welcome on Friday's portion. Uh, so get your ticket now. They're forty dollars. It covers your drink ticket, food, uh, and your entry into the live, you know, kind of show podcast that we're going to be putting on. So we hope to see you up there, uh, and of course, everything's over on the website for details there. Um, CJ, and one final note before we jump into this episode with Greg is that we do select our first winner out of our, uh, our partnership with me, a cup of coffee. Yeah. And, uh, that's pretty exciting stuff, man.
0: Yeah. So we have let the people that won know that they've won. And so if you didn't get this email saying like, congratulations, you won, uh, then Hey, unfortunately, I don't think you won this month, but that doesn't mean that you still can't win this, this entry, your entry, your one entry by going into Mia a scanning our QR code, signing up for the newsletter. And Hey, if you've already signed up for the newsletter, don't worry. You're still entered into this giveaway. That one entry is going to last through the rest of this month and throughout April. So. Stick with it. Maybe you can win this month. You might win next month. So don't just think because you didn't win in February that you won't win in March and April. So, again, how this works step into any of the three Mia Cuppa locations in Charleston the one over in Elk City, the one at Capital Market, the one at the new downtown library. You're going to see a little QR code that says Mia Cuppa and Mountaineer Media have basically partnered up. There's a QR code. Scan it. It's going to take you to our website. Quickly sign up on that page. Again, that's signing up for the newsletter more or less and it's going to tell you hey you've also been entered to win a $30 me a cup of gift card so go do that now because that's coffee for like if you go twice a week you know it's it's basically yeah twice a week you know 650 times two that's 13 times two so if you go twice a week it's like three and a half weeks that you're getting coffee there so that's a lot of coffee that's a lot of coffee that you could be sitting on and all you have to do is just go in scan the QR code sign up real quick and then we'll let you know if you won. so congratulations to those who did win uh, because we said that there was only going to be one winner and we said hey Vanu here's the winner and he said pick me two more uh, give me three winners they're all three going to win something so that's just shout out to Vanu who is the founder of me a cup of coffee because he you know the deal was for one and he's like give me three it was like awesome cool. thanks Love yeah it. so yeah keep going go sign up for that if you haven't that contest is going to run through the end of April so alright Coop That's all I got. You got anything else? No, so let's get
1: you to this week's episode with Greg Corio.
2: The uh, sun does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do.
0: All right, everybody, we are back. Cooper Zimmerman with me, as always, CJ Harvey here. Gregory Corio. Greg, welcome on. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us this morning. If you want to, uh, we would just joke that you're going to introduce yourself. You've got a bit of a mouthful of a title, but it's... Uh certainly one that's uh, very important. Go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, my name's Greg Corio. I am the uh, Assistant Vice President of the Brad and Lee Smith Outdoor Economic Development Collaborative at WVU, and I'm over uh, strategic youth initiatives at the university. So I've been here about 19 years, and uh, my whole career has been about how do we uh, tie our students, tie youth, tie adults to the outdoor recreational resources in the state of West Virginia. And yeah. I grew up in uh, Grafton, West Virginia.
0: Greg from Grafton, right? Yeah. double T's.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. We'll, we'll get into some of what you were doing now because it is so interesting and we really feel like it ties to the message that we are kind of giving, you know, about bringing people into West Virginia, showing them what the, something that they can get here that they can't get anywhere else. But man, so two decades at WVU, you've seen a lot of changes at that school. I mean, you know everybody has a you know a, the last generation maybe your parents they're like oh Morgantown wvu was so different when i was there but truly 20 years uh, around the university i'm sure it's, you have seen some massive shifts not just um just in like the dorm rooms and the new buildings that are going up but just maybe even like a cultural shift at wvu it seems like now west virginia was you know is, is very outward thinking and trying to you know uplift different parts of west virginia that maybe it previously did not do you think that that's
2: Kind of true? Oh yeah. I mean, the the university leaning into it. And I think it really comes down to to Gordon Gee really leaning into the and grant mission of the institution. So our institution means so much to the state. I mean, you see the flying WV in every back road for mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. the state. And what I love is that he's working with Brad Smith at Marshall. So really the two entities that, you know, we'll all support each other until we play each other right in some basketball game or football game. But they're really leaning into how do we use our universities to to impact the state and move it forward, and it, it it's heartwarming uh, to have both of them. But yeah, that's a, that's a huge shift. Of course, the the buildings going up on campus, and uh, it, it's a beautiful place to, to be, and and amazing students. Yeah,
1: Rick, I think about it like in terms of of college, like the evolution that I think college might be on or, or naturally is taking. You know maybe the days of like the 80s and 90s it was you know you know it's kind of like the go to college get a four-year degree get a job and it was very you know academia like your degree on you getting into like the yale princeton harvard mattered so 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 much and then i think we've seen a natural shift away from that over the last 20 years but i think what i when i look at the view in these programs that do involve the state or get kids involved in education and outdoors and economic development and it's almost if college its its becoming more. I'm trying to find the right word. It's more, it, oh, it's more encompassing than just purely book smarts okay. in academia. It, it's shaping young minds. It's shaping leadership. It's shaping character, and it's doing it through you know, quote unquote, unconventional academia methods, maybe. But it is like, like I like the, the best example of this is like I did the MBA program at WVU. Our first day, we went out to the obstacle course right there in Morgantown That's and sure. did the thing we learned more that day about like communication under stress like how to rally uh you know a, a teammate that's kind of fallen behind how to like you know develop a plan and like i just was so blown away by that that and you know and that was of course very intentional we were guided through it but it, it's really remarkable how much you can learn in a very rich way from those sorts of activities that's outside the classroom and I, I don't know if anybody does it better than WU, you know, in terms of like leaning into that. And, and that's been a little, you know, much credit to you. I mean, you, you're, from what I'm reading, the founder of, of that program. So maybe, maybe speak about where,
2: was that an idea? How did that naturally come about? Yeah. Let me let me give you some background. So yeah, I did found the challenge course at the Outer Education Center. Um, so, you know, I grew up in Grafton. I uh, didn't really travel. I grew up hunting and fishing, playing on the Tiger River, And in 96, while I was going to Fairmont State, my best friend, uh, we went to high school together, graduated together. We won a 13,000 mile road trip uh, across country, drove, went to 23 national parks, backpacked 400 miles of these national parks. And I came back that year and there was an Outside Magazine article that had 50 best hikes in 50 states. And that winter, that December, I went hiking on the North Fork Mountain Trail. Had no idea. It's right behind Seneca. It's the big mountain behind Seneca Rocks. And as we're hiking along, we get to the cliff band up close to Chimney Rocks, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how could this resource be so close to where I grew up and had no idea it was here? And so it really kind of planted a seed on how do we expose people? All the cars of the trailhead were from out of state. And I'm like, why do we not embrace these unique resources that we have? And uh, so what continued to, to focus on outdoor education. I fell in love with teaching. And so when I came back to WVU to graduate school, I'd identified eight universities coming to the West Virginia to run their outdoor orientation program. Orientation programs are before college. You bring a group of students together with upperclassmen, and then they go on some type of adventure. And so um, anyways, I continued to research them, look at best practices, ran a pilot in 2003, so 20 years ago. And uh uh, it was incredibly impactful. And what we were trying to do was look at a proactive way to address alcohol issues and sexual assault issues. And so when students come um, to campus, and by the way, we now have the largest in the country uh, at WVU, every dollar invested returns $10.60 back to the institution because six-year graduation rates go up. Cooper, you talked about the impact of those groups working together, right? So imagine being an incoming freshman. you are not a high school student. You're not a college student. You're in this transition period. We take your cell phone away. Your first college experience. There's no alcohol. There's no pressure around any of that. You're you're traveling around the state. You're seeing the beauty of West Virginia. As the trust within the group goes up, the upperclassmen can have really serious conversations about how to find a balance between your academic life and your social life, and and how to get involved in campus, and and uh, it really really works. And then you keep those cohorts together. And they end up being best friends all through through college, and so um, we've invested heavily in it. So um, a five hundred dollar trip will cost you ninety five dollars, unless you're Pell Grant eligible, then we're free. One of the things that's really interesting is when you look at low income students. So some of our students who have the most challenges, they do that one week program. Their six year graduation rate goes up sixteen percent. Wow, think about that for a second. You do that one week your graduation rate goes up 16%, but there's something else that happens there. Where, you know, you talked about the challenge course and, you know, whether it's climbing outside or climbing a tower or um, going on the challenge course, there's also this sense of um, grit and the self of uh, confidence that comes with it. Like, okay, I just did that. Like, I'm going to be okay in school.
1: It, Yeah, I mean, yeah. To, and to continue the kind of... We had a, a student from... Uh, Beijing um, or no I'm sorry my friend Yi he's actually from Shanghai Um, this was his first week in America and like literally he got there on like Wednesday or like the Friday before like Tuesday morning you know we're all there's like 40 of us in the NBA program we go up there he hardly speaks English and I just remember he was on my team and it it literally forged our relationship we we became best friends through the whole program i you know i went over to china with the uh program towards the end of, the, of it and he toured me around the city but it was yeah i mean it it bonded us around things that yeah that weren't related to like you know we've all been through wvu i mean it definitely has a reputation of the party school but it, it gave um and there's certainly those activities and tailgating those are certainly fun and have their time and place but you're right i mean it, it gave a foundational like friendship and deeper camaraderie that. It's hard to quantify. I'm, I'm glad that you can quantify with, with the dollars right. in, dollars out, but it's it, it's even, it's harder to like say, oh, uh, you know, put that on paper of what that actually does for students. Um, and, yeah. and I was someone who felt confident, wasn't kind of scared, you know, and I, you know, came from a, a good family in terms of like upper middle class, like financial struggles weren't that, but it even provided me that much more on top of it. Wow. Like a sense of, you know, like a community and that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah I, I just want to say, I just, it was super stoked to see y'all because I, I just think that program is is
2: truly world-class. Oh, yeah. I mean, the team over there is just doing incredible work. You know, when you're standing 30 feet in the air and you're reaching out to give somebody a hand to help them through, it creates this incredible bond. And you know, it, it uh, Dr. Brent Bell at the University of New Hampshire is the national expert. He was at Harvard for eight years and said that we have the cutting Edge program in the country. But he also tries to really dive into the research. He's published five articles on our program at WVU. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, the, the history of orientation programs throughout higher ed has been hazing, right? right. So yeah. they people wear funny hats that make them do all kinds of crazy things. We instead make them sleep on the ground. We make them go rock climbing We make them, you know, Cook in the rain and we make them go whitewater rafting uh, down a river. We just do it a little bit differently in a really controlled way that that really works. And by the way, uh, Adventure Works with College Students, our Science Adventure School is Adventure West Virginia for sixth graders in West Virginia. And Ascend West Virginia is Ascend his Adventure West Virginia for remote workers in West Virginia. And so have you heard of the Science Adventure School? No, no, please explain. Oh, yeah. So when the Summit Bechtel Reserve was coming to West Virginia, and it is one of the the most amazing assets that every West Virginian should see, I heard the founders say, I want every child in West Virginia to have multiple touch points with it. And I'm like over here saying, yes, absolutely. I know the power of outdoor education. And so we basically did research looking at the best science schools across the country and outdoor schools and what are they doing. We then brought a bunch of educators into a room, including uh, one of my mentors at South Charleston High School, Glenn Toller, and uh, said, okay, here's what nationally is happening. Here's what we know works with Adventure West Virginia at WVU. Here's the amazing assets of the semi reserve. What could we do to impact a sixth grader? So we ran the pilot in 2018, and the teachers have said it was the best experience of their life. Um, we've grown it. We're going to serve about 2,000 sixth graders uh, at the beginning of the fall semester with their teachers. And so they'll go to the largest outdoor climbing wall in the world, sitting right here in West Virginia at the Summit Bacter Reserve. So when they go climbing, they get to learn the science behind climbing, and then they go climbing, and then afterwards we process how is climbing similar to school and setting goals. And uh, Johan Smith, the principal at Beckley Stratton in, in Raleigh County, said that it's transformed his school. That it's addressed bullying. The teachers have said <laughs> it's transformed the classroom, and so it it allows the kids to be on an even playing field because it doesn't matter if you have the fancy clothes when you're at the science adventure school. Like everybody's sleeping in a tent, everybody's in, pain. everybody's cold, everybody's going through this experience with your teacher, and so you have this meaningful connection with the teacher. The teacher knows Cooper how you learn, right? You might be different than another student, and so. Uh, we've got some really powerful data. Our goal is to serve every child in the state of West Virginia. We think we can transform our state. We tie them, we work with the National Park Service, so they go into the National Park. Many kids, even though they live so close, have never been in the National Park or interacted with National Park Service rangers. And so, uh, yeah, it is our vision to get every sixth grader in the state. And then how do we have touch points seventh to uh, 12th grade? So, So maybe go into
0: this idea that we've been talking about a little bit deeper. What What is this, you know, unique uh, core function, or not core functional, but core theme, I guess, of like, is it connection and touch points? Is it bonding over uh, nobody's in a good situation, you just kind of have to endure and survive together? Like, what is it that boosts graduation rates, but also is helping fix middle schools and reducing bullying?
2: Yeah. It, it, it's a new group coming together, right? So how do you fit into that new group? Do you have status in that group? Are you a part of that group? So when a new group is coming together, whether that's sixth grade, whether that's college freshmen, or whether that's Ascend workers coming from around the country, when a new group comes together, we take them outside to create an even playing field that nobody has some advantage because they have fancy clothes or drives a fancy car. Like people are on an even playing field. And it's a little bit of fellowship through oppression. There's a lot of research around World War One and people that lived in the, you know, worked in the trenches in France and in yeah, Europe. Absolutely. They've created friendships for life because they were sleeping in the cold in really scary situations. And so we do it. We stay in tents and we don't <laughs> it's not super hard for the sixth graders, but they have an incredible experience. And many of them have never camped many of them have never spent a week away from their parents. And and so um it, it's just and then the, for us it's that tie to west virginia how do we create this sense of pride in the state how do we make sure that they walk away knowing that wow people come from around the world to paddle our rivers or to climb our rocks or to race at snowshoe at the world cup like we want them to have this incredible sense of pride yeah greg
1: one of the things why i think that's so important and we have spoke about a couple of different capacities is when we speak about the tourism and you know like like really doubling down on West Virginia as a outdoor economic haven, as a tourism attraction for, you know, like people in D.C. joke that West Virginia is their outdoor playground, which is a good sense, right? We want them to think of the state as a place to come and exercise. But something that I've always talked about and when I've had folks like this, you know, like yourself on here, is the need and focus of the conversation to always include native west virginians in that growth prosperity the financial benefits the lifestyle Mm -hmm. benefits of that tourism because like you said there's kids that that live probably in beckley and lewisburg and Fayetteville that have not been or have as like had access to the park in a structured program way so these are like yes we want like, you know, folks that are going to spend $500 a night in an Airbnb outside of Dolly Sides and, you know, go to the craft beer and rent a thing. That's great. I, I personally love doing that type of stuff. I love that, yeah. like that level of outdoor economic tourism, but it's also if we want our own people, our own culture, our own constituents to benefit and grow from it and yep. become better people. Programs like this seem like that's like the
2: like entry point into that world to benefit from for sure. You know, in our office is doing a ton. Danny and team are working uh, a lot on how do we attract remote workers? How do we get people here? And a good place to visit is a good place to live. And I will tell you people that go to Snowshoe, like, wow, this place is phenomenal. I would love to live there. And I remember in November, 2019, I was at the Public Education Collaborative in Charleston. And Jen, uh, Giovanni from uh, the Benetton Foundation was interviewing Elad Norbash. Elad's over, I believe it's like the Artificial Intelligence Lab at Carnegie Mellon. Incredibly bright. And I'd been uh, singing the praises about outdoor recreation for years, right? I think we have a sustainable competitive advantage in that area. But he sat up there and he said, look, all my friends at Carnegie Mellon uh, come down the new river to go paddling and climbing and trail running. And if we have one business there, Uh, that could take advantage, I think they would move there for quality of life. And there is a shift happening in the United States that people are looking at states and places that, what can I do after work, right? What? Can I go climbing? I'll give you an example, Chris Fussell. uh, Chris uh, is the president of the McChrystal Group, which is a high-end consulting group. He uh, has been coming to the New River Gorge. He was a a Navy SEAL and worked for General Stanley McChrystal in in Afghanistan. Incredible guy, New York Times bestseller. He moved full-time to to Fayetteville and is a part of the community down there, and you know that drew him out of D.C. I'll give you another example. Uh, uh, CJ, we were talking about this on the phone. I was doing a a service project up at Cooper's Rock with Adventure West Virginia students. All students had to do three to five hours of community service, and I was working the table, sending students out, and this group of climbers came by, and they said, oh, this is our adopted crag. Where are you guys from? And they said, Toronto, Canada that it was their second weekend in a row, driving to Morgantown to go climbing. And I'm like, really? We're like You drove from Morgantown? Yeah. yeah." It, and so uh, uh, later on, I, I talked to a doctor that moved to Asheville, who, who did his residency here at WVU, and said, oh, Morgantown has better access to white water than Asheville. I'm like, really? And so I kept hearing these things, and I, I saw this image of this climber that someone shared with me, and they said, yeah, that guy drove here from Vermont to come climbing here. And then you add on the World Cup that was here, started in 2019, they continue to come back. It'll be here in September. If you haven't seen that, go see the World Cup at Snowshoe. So, and then we have the top paddlers in the world coming here for golly season in the fall. Yeah. And then in 2019, we had the World Jamboree with 44,000 people from around the world doing outdoor recreation here in West Virginia. There is something happening there. The tide is turning and showing the world the quality of life you can have here in West Virginia.
0: That's funny. We know Chris and his wife. We just Holly okay. actually met them me. not too long ago and kind of caught their story. And yeah, that's uh, a relationship that we'd like to kind of develop and speak with them and have them on the podcast because that's a great story too. Um, They're phenomenal. But yeah. So so kind of diving in because you've you've talked about so many different things and so many layers and and I want to get to the Ascend program at some point. Not quite yet, but the this idea that there is this shift happening right now with these the outdoor economic um there's outdoor economic growth in west virginia i mean is that just something that more people are like yourself are just saying you know this is an opportunity what, what, why is this growing all of a sudden why hasn't it been hasn't this necessarily been an area that's been as big as it is now
2: I think it comes down to data. So in twenty eighteen, the Outdoor Industry Association re- produced a report that showed the outdoor industry is an eight hundred eighty-six billion dollar industry in the United States. So somebody said we can make some money off of it. Let's let's really invest well, in it. Yeah. I mean Well, they wanted to show their their power to have a voice to get more money for infrastructure and things. But that is like water skiing to fishing to hunting to biking to skateboarding to skiing ski resorts right that is a huge segment of what people like to do and so you know our office started doing uh, asset mapping and so it was august 2019 as we were creating the creating the outdoor economic development collaborative and, uh, you know, we really do stand up. I'll give you an example. So I was looking at Whitewater data and I wanted to compare Morgantown to Asheville at first. And so in order to do each Whitewater put in within an hour's drive, because hour you can do after work, right? You can get to it within an hour. And then an hour to an hour and a half. Hour and a half is pushing it, but you could still do it, right? It's it's still close by. Morgantown's about an hour and 45 minutes from Canadian Valley, to give you an example. So you can do it on a weekend. It's a long, long day. Um, so Boise, Idaho, which is a big whitewater town within an hour and a half, they have 98 miles of whitewater, Boulder, Colorado, one of the top whitewater, not whitewater top outdoor cities, the happiest city in the country. They have 122 miles. Morgantown is 605 miles. Beckley has 820 Elkins, 875 Fayetteville has 890 miles of whitewater in an hour and a half drive. And 3,500 roped climbs and a half an hour drive. And then the top town we can actually outdoor town we can find in the country is actually Thomas and Davis with 1102 miles. Um, so uh we ended up giving it to a research faculty. He came running down to my office at the rec center. And he's like, Look at this, look at this data. And I can I can send it to you, send you the map so you can see it. We are truly sitting on the greatest density of white water in the country. And why wow. density is important is that if one whitewater run isn't running, you can go to another one, right? So then as the West is getting drier, which is a big challenge for uh, so many people living out there, we're actually getting wetter. And so we actually, uh, Dr. Nicholas Sigg, uh, did 10 years of climate data and looking at the total number of runnable days. So for example, the New River Gorge runs 100% of the year. The Cheat Narrows outside Rollsburg uh, in Preston County runs 76% of the year. And so Boulder Creek, the main whitewater run in Boulder, runs 25% of the year. Mm. And so uh, how do Very we use... seasonal. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all snowmelt, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and dries up. So how do we tell a different story to attract the people to want to be here? So if you're a whitewater boater, you actually want to be here in West Virginia. Yeah. Why would you want to be out there? And that was kind of the whole premise around how we attract people to, to come and stay Um, There's a great video of Nori, uh, I forget Nori's last name, uh, on NRS. And he's like, these are the rivers in my backyard. He's a doctor. If you live anywhere in the country, it's like, why would I go anywhere else? Look, I've got all of this in my backyard. And that is the story we need to make sure people understand it
1: interesting I, I think i mean and we obviously we we try to help tell those stories like we had a gentleman corey lilly which i'm not sure if you're familiar with that name down out of the beckley area nation guy yeah. like yeah. awesome yeah like world that doesn't surprise like... me that you guys know each other i'd say your so, worlds yeah. have crossed a time or two cut from the same cloth of it yeah, yeah. The outdoor but i mean he yeah he traveled the the country you know i think he was like a professional snowboarder by the time he was like 13, but then now, you know, he's kind of realized wait a second, like in my home backyard is some of the most world class, you know, rafting available. And he, he's a little, he's a, I don't think I, I like kayaking, I'll do the float trips, but he's like oh, flipping he's, off waterfalls. And, yeah. Oh,
2: it's you know. impressive. He, he, you know that the top kayaker in the world, Dane Jackson, is their personal friend. So when he comes to town, Corey paddles him. Corey's got a heart of gold. He knows the connection. You know, his grandfather was a coal miner and he grew up there in Beckley and he, you know, he traveled the world with Glenn Plake, yeah. uh, the skier. He's doing amazing work there in Beckley and he's yeah. tying all this together and he's the right person. He's also an influencer and so mm-hmm. of social media. And so he is a very special person
1: he thought he's, he's awesome and and he just you know it's like it, it that's exactly the type of person that you want in his position now like doing the advocacy work for, for public access to land world. yeah because yeah. it's like yep. they you know they are about that i think it's i mean and i i'd say that the silver lining of um COVID and the pandemic was i think a resurgence in like human like everyone took a collective deep breath and said like wait a second like what do we want and what do we value and a lot of people you know realize that spinning out you know, spending time outside, outdoors, doing doing activity is good for their mental health. It's good for their physical health. It leads to a more enriching life, right? I think there's people that flocked out of the big cities or just, or they want to make outdoor, you know, adventure type stuff more core to their life because the pandemic forced us to because it was, you know, social distancing. But I think West Virginia, you know, we just couldn't maybe have been in a better position to say, hey, look, like, that we agree with that and that let's facilitate that you know that part of your life and journey for the state so i think if anything comes from it over the next you know if we look back another decade from now i, I think the, these last two or three years from like 2020 to now are, are going to be like kind of the foundation of that resurgence of making this truly a a a, de- a destination where people can like there is enough hotels and restaurants and all the the side things that have to support an industry because you know like charleston for example struggled for the longest time of not having enough hotel beds to bring in big conferences to like the civic center because like they just couldn't you know if ten thousand people descend on charleston for a while we didn't have enough hotel beds to be able to like hold a conference like that i think since then over the last 10 years they've you know there's been a couple more hotels so now we can attract bigger conferences so i think sometimes we just have to or like that those those investments in the the infrastructure of it will then will flourish for that for the next decade from
2: those investments if that makes sense yep i'll tell you in charleston they're leaning into outdoor recreation the marketing coming out of the state is doing so much better i mean you you just see the imagery imagery out of of tourism and they're just just really doing a phenomenal job yeah i mean i think the word's out that it's a cool place and and you know. Uh, how do we change the view of like people want to be here? And I think from the climbers want to be here, the New River Gorge is world-class climbing. It's steep, it's hard rock. I went out to see one of our graduate students out in in Utah and he's like, Oh, yeah, New River Gorge is the best climbing I've ever had. And he's climbing in these really iconic places in the West. Rock's really soft, sandstone's really soft. Our sandstone is super hard. And then um, our whitewater, again, I could come back to it, but it is the biggest sustainable competitive advantage that I think we have. And our climbing is also a competitive advantage on the East coast. The West also has, you know, big mountains and things like that. But how do we then build high quality trails on top of it? One to lower the barrier of entry in so We get our kids in. So I don't know if you know this, but Morgantown was chosen as the pilot project for the Youth cycling coalition, which is there were 33 towns across the country. They were looking at, and um, these are the 10 of the largest bicycling nonprofits, and they were looking at Oakland, California, and Charlotte, North Carolina, and Ogden, Utah, and Bentonville, Arkansas, and all these places. And they chose Morgantown for the pilot because of the work our office is doing to build trails. We have one of the top trail designers on our team. Um, I went to Bentonville in 2019 and met Danny, uh, Andy, and, and Rich, and there was another gentleman named Mike. Presenting at Trail Labs above the very first Walmart. And uh, three of those four people are now on our team and really working with communities to not only how do you build recreational assets, but how do you pull the money out of the, the pockets of the tourists that come through? And, you know, one of the towns that I think has incredible potential is Petersburg, West Virginia. Petersburg has incredible fishing with the the North Fork and the South Branch and the South Branch. It's the closest town to the eastern side of Dolly Sods, um, closest town to to Seneca Rocks, North Fork Mountain, but it's really hard. There's a handful of restaurants, and so how do we help? The coffee shop isn't open on the weekends, or maybe just Saturday morning. So how do we make sure the towns allow people to pull money out of those pockets, right? So I paddled Smoke Hole uh, on uh, July 2020s during the pandemic. Uh, you can. Do, go in the backcountry, right, not have to worry about too much exposure from COVID. And there was this group of paddlers from D.C. and they're like, yeah, I wish there was a brewery in Petersburg. I would have bought a beer just to, I'm not spending any money in the town. So I think one of the things Andy and our office is doing is working with communities and helping them realize, like, how do we make sure that they have, whether that's the brewery or the restaurant or the coffee shop or the craft site, that, that we can get that, that influence and then when those people are coming here and spending money and going fishing, they go, man, I would love to live here, right? I still need to go to law office in D.C., but how do I make something work here? Mm-hmm. So Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, what are the challenges? I mean, how do you how do you get all of that to Petersburg, though? If that's, you know, there are still major challenges to getting a brewery and multiple coffee shops in a town like Petersburg, which mm-hmm. is very small and unfortunately challenging to get to, you know, from anywhere, and even in West Virginia.
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's two hours, two hours and 15 minutes from, from DC. So it does have a coffee shop, which is really great. I just wish it was open on the weekend so I can drive <laughs> by and spend money in it, on it. And, and, you know, maybe the economics doesn't work at this point, but we need to figure out how do we help them uh, find out what they need, what's missing so they can have that, right? So some restaurant and brewery down on the river close to a takeout would be one of the hop-ins would be happening spot, right? You go fishing, you go, go have a, have food and beer afterwards. And so, um, yeah, just working with them to realize like there are, there's some huge opportunities there. Yeah. And and we've run into people
1: like, I mean, there's, uh, you know, Tara Sinclair through the Berks Street Innovation Center and then, you know, the West Virginia Entrepreneur Group that's putting bridging innovation, folks like Crayon country Owner angel Mm -hmm. network, like more and more of these collaborative groups you know non slash business networking things to like expose people to the resources and for entrepreneurship to flourish like maybe if you know maybe someone is sitting on the idea that they want to open a restaurant right now but they just they haven't figured out you know which five to ten to fifteen things to do to make that happen in petersburg yet but i am seeing it we're like directly plugged into that and try to participate in it and you know help tell those stories that it does seem like there is now the resources available for the folks Yep. To incentivize it, and that you know that comes all, all the way from state policy, state laws, incentives for entrepreneurship. I mean, you know, yep. mon- capital is going to go where it flows, and it's welcome. So, like, yep. and like again, I think the the current theme is that I, I, it's already started. You know, the dam has broke. I think now it's a matter of doing it sustainably at scale and benefiting the most West Virginians, and not you know, because you know, there are certain there's cons of. Of tourism, there there is there's legitimate concerns that people say like, wait a second, like I don't want my grandpa's hunting lane turned into Disney World, like you know. So there is merit to like not just um or you know or giving voice and, and appreciation to maybe some folks that on the downside of of economic tourism and how do
2: we at least limit those those risks, if you will. Well, unless they're you know overrun with tourism, right? So a lot of people. I think it's Park City, I mean, the amount of mountain bikers, you can't get a parking spot at any of the trailheads because they're completely overdone. We're so far on the other side, so how can we learn from those areas and make mistakes? I mean, uh, some of those river put-ins are just crammed out west, but they're not here. And so how do we help, uh, how do we do it and do it in the right way? Then how do we tie the young people to it? And I keep coming back to it, uh, so Jonathan Kimball was the the mountaineer at uh, WVU uh, mm-hmm. some years ago. And I took Jonathan to the top of Seneca and he grew up in Franklin, the other backside of the mountain. And we did this whole photo shoot of the mountaineer on Seneca. Shots are great, but he grew up there and he's like, yeah, I never, my brother got married here. We the family restaurants right down the road. And, uh, he's like, I've never had a chance to, to climb up that. So how do we tie people to the resources in the backyard. And and there was a little boy this year, I stopped by Science Adventure School, and uh, they were climbing uh, at the New River Gorge. And he was sitting there all alone. And uh, I said, hey, you know, this is your chance to climb, and a couple hours are going to be back, and you're not going to have a chance to climb. He's like, "Oh, I've already done it once. And I said, "Um, uh, what would it take to get you to climb? I said, I'll climb if you climb. He's like, really? I'm old. And so uh, I'm like, he's like, deal. He's like, what do I get if I climb something? I'm like, uh, I don't know. What do you want? He's like, five bucks. I'm thinking in my head, like, uh, can I give him five bucks? Is that wrong? So anyway, uh, I told him I wanted a snack out of the snack bag. So I wasn't going to let him climb higher than me because I wanted to give him the five dollars. But his, he, he did a second climb and he came down. And I said, well, what advice do you have for me? And he said, believe in yourself. And so uh, which just really warmed my heart. And so I climbed up, I made a higher than him, he had to get me a snack out of the snack bag there. And I came back down, we were talking, he's like, yeah, I really like rock climbing. He's only done two climbs in his whole life. And uh, the guides were like, hey, last climb for the day. And he's like, hold on, I got to go over and do one more climb. And as, uh, as I walked out, you know, I gave him an I-5, I was talking to him, I'm like, did you like climbing? He's like, I love it. And he said, uh... And I said, well, you got to keep doing it. You're really good at it. Was the third time easier? He's like, oh yeah, it was way easier, right? Didn't hold on as tight. And so he wants to keep, so he was exposed to this amazing asset that we have that other states don't have, right? You don't have good rock climbing in Ohio. You don't have it in Indiana. There's some in Kentucky, there's some in Virginia, but we are really sitting in this asset asset. So how do we keep those kids engaged? To stay active and healthy and that's one of the things our office and so what i'm trying to work on is tr- how do we solve that right how do we we expose them how do we keep them going mm-hmm. so i was talking with the teacher about there's a small climbing gym in beckley let's get the kids there and so i still have a lot of work to do <laughs> so, yeah yeah
1: but that should well, cool. affordable keep it affordable. so cool and like access to it so then it's not exclusive it's like the i mean i'm i've said on here a million times like i'm a big golf guy worth throwing this big golf tournament Canaan, and like but one of the challenge of golf and it has been historically is that it's expensive to do. I mean, clubs are a couple hundred dollars, you know, around a round of golf is 50, $60. Like it inherently has some challenges of cost. but like, yeah, how can we get cl- kids environment and rafting and hiking and camping and stuff and, and keep it affordable for them, at least during their time in, in public education with the resources and access to it. And then hopefully they become the next Corey Lilly and, you know, Absolutely. and they, and they stay here or they build a business here or they make it a passion and enjoy it and feel pride from their state that yeah i come from i come from mountaineers like that's our that's our people that's our culture like
0: wear it with pride yeah exactly absolutely so uh, this ascend west virginia program because i I like what you would said earlier too was um when we were speaking on the phone yesterday you you've helped you know create adventure west virginia at the university level you've you've created the you've helped put on you know um the thing at some Bechtel so the middle schoolers the high schoolers the university students they're all being engaged in this outdoor economic activity now but then it's like you go to this ascend level it's like well if we can kind of replicate that for professionals now and adults yeah. not so much kids you know are you going to have the same effect and I mean is that ultimately is that the kind that of the idea the- right
2: the goal is not to just recruit them here for a year or two years. The yeah. goal is how do we bring them here, show them the quality of life, tie them to the assets that give us a competitive advantage. So if you you are paddling on these rivers or you're climbing or you're going skiing at a ski resort, why would I want to go back to Ohio or why would I want to go there? They don't have these things and you, know, you can afford a house here. And I will tell you, Brad and Lee Smith are the real deal. They are two of the most amazing, genuine, smart, caring individuals. You watch what Brad and Elise do in West Virginia. They are making such a difference. I mean, the fact that uh, you know, I saw his interview with the gentleman who uh, founded uh, LinkedIn, and he was like, "Brad's my hero." Right? Did these CEOs in Silicon Valley look up to him, and I think he he represents what West Virginia is, right? I mean, he's he's genuine, he's humble, he's polite, he's wicked smart, and uh they, both of them, are in it to make a difference. And so, their belief in our office and what we are trying to do, our goal is to retain these people long-term and make them West Virginia residents. It scares me on how many young people we have lost over the last couple of decades. I have watched these incredible students that I've had at WBU that are Kind, smart, compassionate, and they've left the state for work, and I don't blame them for that. But those are our future leaders of the state. So, one, how do we attract them back, or attract other people? Because you know, we the last two censuses, we've lost more population than any other state in the country. That's our future tax base. That's our future leaders. Yeah. So, what can we do? And I think recreation is our competitive advantage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm.
0: No. Well said. And you know, I think. Part of the reality is, too, you help write the script here. I mean, maybe, you know, Brad and, and Alice did have this uh, this vision and dream, but, you know, you guys have kind of created the outline of what this looks like in a way, too. So I'm sure that it worked kind of hand-in-hand hand to make the Ascend program happen. Do you kind of see it that way, too? I mean, from our side. From my side, it looks like without what you guys yeah. have kind of put the groundwork in, the Ascend program might not have ever been able to, to happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, the data is powerful, right? When you show that you can have a 16% increased six-year graduation rate, and we're seeing the teachers, the same model pushed down the sixth grade. And according to Dr. Bell at the University of New Hampshire, we're the first public sixth grade outdoor orientation program. And it's transformative for those kids, for those schools, for those communities. So it makes sense, it's, it's pretty simple, right? You can do a new group of people together, have a shared experience. Cooper, you talked about the challenge course, right? So we do the challenge course with the centers, bring them together, create community, have events where you keep coming back together, show off the state of West Virginia, I think I think we will see a high percentage of them stay long-term. And Danny and team are doing a great job with the SEND program and Chelsea Ruby's doing a phenomenal job marketing it. And so it is off and it is running. And so you think about it, elementary school, high school kids getting outside, connecting with the state, college students, Uh, doing that, and then uh, send people, and then how do we activate other communities? How do we get them out, recreating? There is a shift happening. and I think we'll look back, I hope, 20 years and really see the state thriving economically and quality of life and the health of our citizens i think so and greg i think you're one of the
1: ones leading it man i really do yep. and we're we're proud uh you should be immensely proud of your work over you know your decorated career but you 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 get it you get the human aspect of of course the economic development part and the that prosperity leads to more enriched and fulfilling life for people but it, it, at the core level what you said is like giving a kid a high five and inspiring them to climb you know be a rock climber like how do you capture that, man? That, that's some magical, that's truly some magical stuff. And you guys do that and have a, you know, a whole, whole system of, of that. If we can create millions of those little experiences, that light that went off in that kid's mind,
2: man, that's, that's the special yep. stuff. So, but I have we, to figure it out because I, I'm not sure how to tie it all together. Right. How do we fund it? How do we like, I've got to keep reaching those kids and mm-hmm. all the way through. And I'm not sure how to do it, but there's a lot of us trying to figure it out. Um, yeah, so. Awesome. Well, look, uh,
1: folks listening, yeah, I mean, be involved in a lot of this programs, a lot of the p- people we've mentioned, Corey Lilly, Brad Smith, of course, is going to be at the almost Seventh Classic. Like these are the people that we've been very fortunate to interview and help tell their stories, but get involved, stay involved. Is there anything specific, Greg, for people listening? Like are there, are there things like volunteer opportunities? Like how do you, you know, where do people, where, where can you like point people to, I guess, if they're listening to this, they're like, man, I, I got to get, you know, part of this
2: wave, I guess. Yeah. So the W Outdoor Education Center, and Canopy Tour is always open to groups. So if you have a group of people, whether that's a school group, people come there and, and get engaged. I also think the Summit Bechtel Reserve is an untapped resource that people truly need to understand. It is a world-class facility and uh, they're just starting to open the doors to the public and they're working on that. And a conference center, like, it is an asset that, and Rob Ridgeway it's a phenomenal. He's the new director there. Um, watch what they do over the next few years. Uh, there's a yeah. incredible team there. Uh, to yeah. To yeah, so.
0: get that location is awesome. Yeah. Everybody needs to go check out some of Bechdel too. They've just 100%. transformed that. Yeah. So. Well, Greg, 100%. thank you. Good luck to you. Thank you. Anything that we can do, man, let us know. Appreciate it.